Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 133 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. Oilers Now. I'm at the home office. We're social, uh, social distancing. I, I miss the studio. Uh, Brennan Escott back at the 630 Chad Studios. There's an old saying in the car business, cars cost less in Wetaskiwin, but outstanding customer service. That's a key to all businesses. Brent Ridge Ford is a nine-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. They will provide you with outstanding service at the time of purchase and will continue that standard of service after the sale as well. So... Let Uncle Milt Rich Johnny and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford lend a hand by calling 1-877-477-3673 or go online at brentridge.com. We'll have Dave Campbell coming up, Eskimos radio analyst, uh, this day in Oilers history, as well as NHL Today for Elite Promotional Marketing, Royal Pizza, Pizza Past, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years, and now Royal Pizza is offering curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is the Mediterranean chicken. Dave Campbell, Eskimos radio analyst, joins us right now. Dave, how are you doing? I'm great, Bob. How are you? Good. Uh, so much focus, obviously, on a show called Oilers Now, on this, the potential startup of the NHL, the fact that it appears as though, and again, it still needs to be ratified by ownership and by the players, but Edmonton will be a hub city. Uh, what is going, what can you tell us, where are we at right now at the Canadian Football League? What's happening? Well, the two sides are actually talking, so that's uh, that's good news. And the CFL, they were doing all their due diligence and trying to figure out from a health and safety standpoint, uh, looking at hub cities, looking at one, looking at two, uh, could, would there be a possibility that they could just have teams play in their own cities and maybe travel with within their own division, have you know some fans in the building or no fans, and then uh, the, the players were really frustrated because they're sitting on the sidelines going, "Can we be a part of the plan here? Can we just be kind of informed, even though if you're not ready to give us a formal plan?" So now they're in the stage where uh, for about a week now or maybe a bit less where they're actually talking to each other and hashing out the possibility of a 2020 season and also looking at amending the 2021 year from a CBA standpoint because you're obviously going to have to have a lot of amendments uh, for this year because, you know, however many games you're going to play, um, you know, what are, what's the salaries going to look like? Uh, what's the practice roster going to look like? What's the roster size going to look like? You know, so many things to go over. Then there's the health and safety issues. So they, they are going, uh, they are talking. They're, they're, you know, we haven't heard much. We've heard some idea of a, of a proposed format of a six-game season with eight teams making the playoffs. So that means one would miss. And so that would add one extra playoff round. Um, you know, 
personally, I would like to see eight because you have people, you know, you have teams uh, that would play each other once. So it'll be like more of a round robin. Um, and it does look like that Winnipeg is the preferred choice for the hub, but that hasn't been a formal discussion yet as well. Uh, I know Hamilton's uh, expressed some interest as well. Ottawa's expressed some interest. And, Bob, they have 17 days roughly to figure all this out if they're going to play. So there, there's a lot to go over, but the, the two sides are talking and there's a lot to talk about. All right. Uh, just uh, for our listeners, what's this current salary cap for the CFL? Well, it's at five point three million, I believe, right now. So, mm. and I think the uh, expectation is that is that is going to go down uh, quite a bit for next season, and then we'll see what happens after that. Because next season is the last year of the current CBA agreement, which is which was a three year deal signed last year. But the expectation is that that salary cap will go under five million. Don't know how far down five million, but but likely, but or not likely. I think it's pretty much assured that and for sure that it's going to be under five million. I have a lot of empathy for the position that the players are in in this situation. Just you know, given the career length of football players, I mean, you know, the career length of a hockey player is longer than that of football. Uh, you know, you have. Geez, it's got to be over 130 Division One programs. By the way, there is some talk to playing a uh, spring season for NCAA football instead of a fall season. We'll wait and see if that ultimately comes to fruition. But you have a seemingly uh, endless amount of uh, players coming up on, on, a, on a yearly basis, so it's tough for those uh, American players because there's a lot of competition. Um, and then, but the one thing I would, 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 would mention to you, Dave, now, did Randy Chevrier, he's the commissioner of the league, did he not talk to, um, the, the, you know, was there not sort of a contentious thing where he spoke to the federal government about the CFL and about what it means to the culture and the identity of the country? Mm-hmm. But at that point, he had not engaged his players yet. Was that uh, was that a big issue? I'm just trying to remember. Well, yeah, yeah. It was one of many things where the players kind of went, you know, with their arms outstretched, going up. Excuse me, why do you keep forgetting about us and putting us in the corner and saying, you know, we'll get to you when we get to you? So when Randy Ambrosi. I went public with the federal or the ask from the federal or for, to the federal government for financial assistance that it could be anywhere from, uh, or, or I believe you said the worst case scenario would be somewhere between 120 million and 150 million dollars. Now he did appear before the House of Commons Finance Committee with a very poor performance, in my view, and a lot of people uh, say, say the same thing, where he showed his passion, his love, his care, his desire, his concern for the CFL, but he basically brought nothing else to the table other than, hey, we're a league that is has so much history, deep-rooted in Canada, um, please help us. And the government went back and said, you need to show us your books, you need to show us your financial kind of outlook, and where are the players involved in this? And, and Randy's response was, well, we haven't gotten the players yet, which, you know, everyone kind of went, went grown and, you know, put their, put their head in their hands. So the government has aligned with the players from day one, basically. You're pretty close to it. So if this is going to happen, a shortened season of whatever it's going to look like in the fall, um, it, it's going to happen if the government gives the players' federal support, so whether that's through the weight subsidy or whatever programs they have to help players um, kind of get paid their salary and whatever that's going to be decided upon, uh, I think that's going to hinge a lot on, on the season. So a 
not going to be a big, big check into their bank account. Okay, here's your 120 or your 110 or 100 million or 90 or whatever. That's not how it's going to look. I think there's there's some avenues that the CFL and, and the government could look at as far as partnering up and maybe getting supports to what the equivalent that they might give a business size of the CFL and that what they would give to anyone else. But they're definitely going to help the players. But can they help them in time? You know, because they have to extend the wage subsidy to the American players. And you know, some people that's a hot button issue for a lot of people because while well, they're why are you giving them to American players? And my simple answer is because they're up here for six months contributing to to this economy, contributing to our healthcare system, contributing to Canada in so many ways, they should get help. So, yeah. Uh, so Randy Ambrosi's ask has has changed from what he what he looked at as a as a you know just a big lump sum kind of amount of money and the, put it in the CFL's coffers, and the CFL are going, no, we want to help the players and their families first, and then we'll talk to you. Joined by Dave Campbell, he's the radio analyst of the Edmonton Eskimos and 6.30 Chet. 6.30 Chet is the play-by-play voice of the uh, Edmonton Eskimos as well as the Edmonton Oilers. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. And Dave, thank you for subtly not mentioning that I said Randy Chevrier, not Randy Ambrosi. I got my uh, former uh, CFL offensive lineman mixed up there, didn't I? So uh, there you go. Now, what, what about the situation here with the Edmonton Eskimos? Because obviously this is an organization I would think, I, I got to tell you, I, I don't really understand some of the things that would have happened with the league. Like, um, I, I'm not sure who pushed for a cap on coaches' salaries. And uh, I, I'm certainly hoping that, well, my guess is it didn't come from managers and coaches. It probably came from maybe somebody that was on the presidential side of a CFL organization. But, uh, you know, maybe I'm just old school and spoiled from when the Eskimos used to have 50,000 fans at the games back in the early 80s. But to me, the Eskimos were always sort of like the best organization in the league. Are they, of all the teams in the league, and I know Saskatchewan, when football is huge in Saskatchewan. Uh, but is Edmonton about as well poised to handle us if we don't start up for and play for a year? And, and then, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, give me no, your... I, I understand. And, and the fact that the Eskimos are a community-owned franchise, so that means they have, what, 80, 90 shareholders that run the club with uh, with a board of directors that are on top, you know, eight, eight nine people at the top of the, the shareholder group. Um, you know, they're, they're positioned, I think, better than other teams who are privately owned, right? So I, I think there's more of a share the loss, share the wealth kind of thing here uh, compared to you know, MLSE, who are, you know, let's, let's also let's also face facts here, too. That's a $4 billion company. You got Roger Greenberg that owns the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. He's, you know, he's $1.5, $2 billion worth. And so there's, it's not, this isn't like the 90s where everyone was broke. <laughs> right. <laughs> when teams in the CFL, like, there's there's a lot more uh, capital in, in ownership groups uh, than there were in the 90s. And unfortunately, you know, there might be one owner in particular that owns a West Coast team that is stuck in the 90s but i'll move on from there david really um but yeah i i, I think for the eskimos it's it, i think their position probably better than some teams but it's still going to be you know a, a very bad projection i think and we're going to know what the what the 2019 year was financially for the eskimos a week from tomorrow when they have their virtual annual general meeting and i'm sure there's going to be a forecast of how dire things are going to be in the uh 
in, in the 2020 year, and the riders just had their their annual general meeting, and of course their community owned like the Bombers, so we do get to see their, their the, the the books publicly because they are public, and the riders said that we could lose for sure 10 million dollars that could go up to 30 which i'm going wow how does it go up to 30 but anyway that's quite the big gap and they have a reserve fund too they have about you know six six and a half million to seven million dollars in the reserve fund which they say they're going to exhaust so and you know the eskimos have a reserve fund and i think there's more money in it than six and a half seven million dollars so how much of that are they going to have to dip into and how much will be left over so uh, i mean this is going to hurt bob if if League-wide, the projection is they're going to lose $100 million if they don't play this year. And if they do play, they'll lose around 70 which which shows that, okay, so if it's whatever format it is, it might not be very conventional. Um, you know, it'll be very interesting, and, and it'll be obviously very unique, like everything else has been in, in a COVID world. But if, if they play, they're going to get some money. Um, so they would rather play than not play, I think, for the most part. Although I think the CFL, there's people within the CFL that, you know, that as far as governors and owners, and not many of them that are probably humming and hawing whether this is worth it for them. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot on the line here for the CFL. Now, if they don't play, I don't think it's the end of the CFL, but I think it's, you know, it, it'll be, it would hurt the league a lot. Um, but I think they want to play for a variety of reasons. And I think another reason is the exposure factor, too, is that you get yourself on TV for a couple of, you know, TV yes. radio to get out there for, you know, a half season. And I think that's worth it to all nine teams. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I, I think the Eskimos, because they're, they're community-owned, I mean, I think they're positioned probably a bit better than, than other teams, but it's still going to really be, be a brutal year regardless if they play or not. Dave, we appreciate your time, and we'll touch base in a couple weeks. You bet you, Bob. Anytime, man. You bet. That's Eskimos analyst Dave Campbell. It's 146 in Edmonton. You're listening to Oilers Now. Hi, this is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. It's 149 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer and... Brendan S. Scott with you. We're going to bring Brendan in right here, right now. As we go to NHL today for Elite Promotional Marketing, your local branded merchandise specialist. Head to ElitePromotionalMarketing.com. Again, that's your local branded merchandising specialist. Here is Brendan S. Scott. All right, nothing really doing on the news front, but I'll uh, review sort of what was told yesterday. League and Players Association tentatively agreeing to a four-year extension of the collective bargaining agreement, ensuring labor peace through 20. 25-26. Training camps scheduled to open next Monday with teams slated to arrive theoretically here and in Toronto by the 26th. The league also won't allow ringers to play in the postseason, meaning players like Montreal's Alexander Romanov, for example, who just signed a pro deal this spring, will have to wait until next season begins. The agreement would also allow, as we mentioned earlier, NHL participation at the 2022 Olympics in Beijing. That's pending negotiations with both the International Olympic Committee and the IIHF. And uh, the salary cap frozen at $81.5 million will stay there until hockey-related revenue reaches $4.8 billion, which is what they had expected to uh, surpass over the course of the full season. It had it gone off without a hitch, Bob. Uh, there you uh, go. This text comes in saying on our Ashley Fine Floors text line, Bob, let's hope the CFL can get going. There's nothing like Friday night football. Well, if you've uh, 
listened to Oilers now for the last 10 years here on 630 Chet. I think you know how big of a football fan I am. I love football. Uh, this one comes in. Bob, the CFL salary cap is $5.3 million. I guess there's no chance of Patrick Mahomes playing here. No, that would be pretty unlikely. In fact, we've had conversations about Tim Tebow and the fact that he makes, you know, probably six to eight hundred thousand a year uh, doing uh, NCAA college football as part of the CBS package, and maybe that might be um, a little bit prohibitive as to why he wouldn't play in this Canadian Football League. Uh, Dave M says, Bob, hey, the teams coming from Toronto for the conference finals will be the ones that judge who puts on a better show between Edmonton and Toronto. And Dave M says, Edmonton will win hands down. Well, Toronto has experience. They hosted the uh, World Cup. Anita says, I just wanted to say, Bob, as a proud Edmontonian and also one who lived through the glory days of the Oilers and the Eskimos, I love Mark's response to all of the Edmonton haters. We live in an exceptional city and one that should never be underestimated. Let's go show the world how it's done. Oilers all the way. That one comes to us from Anita. Again, you can text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line 780-496-0063. And there is, you're going to hear comments and you're going to hear and see, I know Ryan Kessler was poking some fun. Uh, by the way, Brent, I don't know if I told you this. I hear Kessler's, uh, Kessler and uh, Bieksa. Uh, I've heard through the grapevine, both interested in uh, maybe being a part of Vancouver management someday down the road. I don't know if that's true or not. Sort of heard that through a source. Hey, a lot of former players sort of desire those opportunities, so maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Again, you can text us 780-496-0063. And we go to this day in Oilers history, and you are going obscure, to say the least. It's because it's the only thing that had any relevance on this day in Oilers history. It happened back in 1966. Former Oiler Tony Herkus is born in Thunder Bay, Ontario. The 1987 Hobie Baker Award winner played in 36 games with the Oil in the spring of 1998. He put up 19 points. Not bad for a mid-season waiver claim. He was then traded with Bobby Dolis to uh, Pittsburgh for Joseph Moranek uh, that offseason. All right, so when Herkus came up uh, with St. Louis, he got in some playoff games out of 86 out of 87, played at North Dakota. That is the school that Dave Tippett played at in the early 1980s, and North Dakota has long been a uh, program that recruited heavily out of uh, northwestern Ontario as well as Manitoba. Uh, Jonathan Taze, as an example, played at uh, UND. Uh, the next season in 87-88 with Herkus, who is primarily a playmaking centerman and kind of a second-liner, he scored four goals in one playoff game during the 87-88 playoffs for the St. Louis Blues. That was one of his, and his nickname was the Herkus Circus. He never had more than 50 points in an NHL season. He had unbelievable totals in the IHL. Had 132 points one year. You were telling me he's the highest scoring player in NCAA history? Well, he had 115 point, or excuse me, 116 point season, it looks like, uh, alongside a guy by the name of Bob Joyce. And then the goaltender on that team was Eddie Balfour as well. Yeah, so, I mean, he was a big producer in the IHL, and the IHL used to spend a lot of money, was sort of out of the NHL for three or four years in the mid-1990s, and then resurfaced, uh, you know, played with the Oilers in Dallas during 97, 98, and then bounced around and actually was with Anaheim all the way up to 2000, 2001. So had about a 14- or 15-year career, uh, and then played 758 games in the NHL. Uh, good playmaking centerman, soft and slow, uh, which is often not a great combination. Here's what we got uh, going on. Uh, 
We all mentioned that Jalen Nye is off. Is she off all of this week or just uh, today and the next couple of days? Yeah, all know? of this week. All of this week. So uh, coming up, uh, we will have uh, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell and the simulcast of the Rob Breckenridge Show to Calgary from CHQR770. Uh, tomorrow, Brian Lawton from the NHL Network and David Staples from the Cult of Hockey's will be a couple of our guests. Reed Wilkins tonight on Inside Sports. You'll hear from Sportsnet's Ken Reed, John Shannon, our NHL insider, as well as uh, Kevin Love, not of the Cleveland Cavaliers, but rather the owner of the Sherwood Park Crusaders, is going to talk about some of the challenges uh, of course owning a franchise in the junior ranks uh, during this time. Have a terrific Tuesday, everybody. So long from Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.